So thank you everybody for tuning back in and attending uh, the Shira on Tefillah. Last week we are we're following the order of the Sidor, and last week we we went very fast. We went through the parts of the Arvit of Motzei Shabbat, and that's where we're holding in the Sidor, the Arvit of Motzei Shabbat, and we went through all the features that make the Arvit special. For example, the the sections of prayer which are said before, like the different Tehillim. We looked at uh, the custom to delay Arvit. We looked at the custom to elongate Baruch Hu, uh, so that the, the souls can have more rest in, in Shemaim. And we looked at a number of other features, both extant and extinct, as well as the Vihinoam and the Uvalitzion after the, um, after the Shmona Esrei, and much, much more. So last week we went very quickly, we covered a lot. I think this week is going to be a lot less low key, a lot le- a lot lower key. Uh, we'll try to go a little, a little slower, because this week we're go- going to begin studying Havdalah. And last week we discussed everything besides Atachonantanu, simply because it would have been a very confusing task to discuss Atachonantanu without discussing the idea of Havdalah to begin with. And that's what we're going to work on tonight. So first things first, um, what is the etymology of the word Havdalah? So without doing a full biblical analysis, I think most people who are familiar with Lashon HaKodesh will know that in the Torah, the word Kiddushah, typically is used to mean a distinction. In other words, we use the word kadosh. We, we use the word kadosh when we try to say that something is holy or something is, sorry, something is separate or other. If something is very separate or other or miyuchad, completely designated for a thing, then the word kadosh is often used. So the word kiddushah or kiddush or kadosh usually refers to what they call havdalah lishvach, meaning separating, but for positive, for 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 praise, and therefore kiddushah is typically translated as distinction, while havdalah is the opposite of that. While it is also a distinguishing, it is also a separation. Havdalah is typically used in the sense where it is separated, but not lishvach, where you're separating something, but it is not uh, for praise. It either has a negative connotation or a plain connotation. And that is, in essence, what the word Havdalah means. It is the opposite of the kiddush that we do at the beginning of the Shabbat, where we sanctify the day and we declare its distinction. At the end of the Shabbat, we say Havdalah because that declares its separateness at the end of its separateness from the other days of the week. We're, we're, we're demarcating the end of the Shabbat relative to the other seven days of the week. So what we're going to do tonight is we're going to you know, study the early history and we're going to study the uh, early Nusach. And I think that'll probably be enough because last time we, we went uh, very over time. So first things first, why do we say Havdalah? Now, the earliest attestation to why we Say Havdalah is the Rambam. The Rambam holds that it is a mitzvah midoraita, that it is a biblical commandment, and he learns this from the pasu, from the pesukim uh, Zachor v'Shamor. I'd like to read to you the language of the Rambam in Ilchot Sefer Mitzvot, 
mitzvah kufnun hei. So the, in the mitzvah of kufnun hei, uh, the Rambam says, He shetzivanu lekadeshet ha-shabbat velomar dvarim beknisato ubiyetziato. This is the commandment to sanctify the Shabbat and to say words, to say some sort of uh, litur liturgical uh, accompaniment at the entrance and at the exit of the Shabbat. And we should mention its, its glory, its sanctity, and how it's better than the other days. That come before it and, and go after it. Zechor et Yom HaShabbat lekadesho. Kilomar, the Pasuk says, Zechor et Yom HaShabbat means Zochrehu bekadeshehu bebracha, to remember it and to sanctify it with blessing. And ubebiur amru, in the Gemara they say, Zochrehu al hayayin beknisato ubeyetziato. Kilomar, havdala shehi gamkein chilek mezechirat Shabbat mitakanat mitzvotea. What does it mean ubeyetziato in the Gemara Amsachim? It means havdala, which is also part of the zechira. Okay, so this, according to the Rambam, part of the Zachor, part of the um, mitzvah of, rem of remembering Shabbat is not just the Kiddush, it is also the Havdalah, because it's one, there are two halves of the same commandment. On the one hand, you make a Kiddush at the beginning to, to designate, okay, this is where the Holy Day starts, and you make a Havdalah at the end. They are both two sides of the same commandment. That is the, the view of the Rambam. There are other Rishonim, like the Orchot Chaim, and I've heard their Benutam, but I didn't find it immediately, um, who disagree with the Rambam, and they hold that, no, this is of rabbinic origin, as we're going to see in the Gemara in a minute. And therefore, they do not believe that Havdalah is a Deoraita. So one might wonder, well, what would be the, the nafkamina, as they say in the Gemara world? What would be the difference if it's a Doraita or a Drabanan? So the answer is very simple. What if you forgot whether or not you said it? If it was a Doraita, then it would be Safek Doraita Lechumra, and you'd have to say it again. Another very easy one is whether or not women are commanded. If, if you say that it is learned out of Zachor, then we know from a Gemara and Shavuot that Zachor and Shamor have a Hekesh, and because women are chayavot in keeping Shabbat, even though it's a mitzvah to say shazman grama, they are also chayavot in kiddush, because we have a, a linked uh, exegesis from from the uh, from uh, the pasuk from from the word zachor to shamar. So that would mean that women are chayav, just like women are chayavot in kiddush midoraita, so too they would be chayavot in havdalah midoraita. And this is indeed a machloket in the post scheme. It does go all the way down to the Shulchan Aruch and the Raman, the Taz, and everybody. The women can say Havdalah for themselves if they would like to, but uh, the poskim recommend that they hear it from men just so that to be Yotze all the day out. But that, that's the, uh, some of the consequences of that uh, older Machloket in the Rishonim, whether or not Havdalah is indeed of uh, of Deoraita, is it of biblical origin, which would make it uh, exceedingly ancient, meaning as far as Moshe Rabbeinu. However, there's another view, and that view is that it was completely instituted by the Anshei Knesset HaGidolah, meaning not just was the text uh, canonized by the Anshei Knesset HaGidolah, but the very obligation itself was also canonized by the Anshei Knesset HaGidolah. This view comes from the simple reading of the Gemara in Brachot, there's basically two main areas in Shas where it discusses Havdalah. One is in um, Brachot and the other is in the end of Psachim. So 
This, the Mishnah here in Brachot of Gimel Amr Aleph says, that when we're doing a, a maskirin, we, we learned this Mishnah many times before, we put, uh, we put uh, the prayer for rain inside the second bracha, and we put the request for rain in the bracha of Birchat Hashanim. The Mishnah says, in Havdalah, we put that in the Amidah in Chonen Dat. Right, so everybody in Chonin Hadat. So everybody knows this. Um, I'm going to read the Gemara together. If anyone has a Gemara, they could take it out. I'm sorry, the way we have the Zoom set up now, I can't really share my screen uh, so easily. But the point is that as we know today, we put the Havdalah in Chonin, in Chonin Hadat, the fourth Brachav Shmona Esrei. Rabbi Akiva Omer, Rabbi Akiva says, no, it gets its own bracha. It is the fourth bracha, and then you say at Achonin Adam Daat. So it's a special. You get 20 brachot at, at uh, Motzei Shabbat. Rabbi Eliezer Omer, the third Tana, he says, You put Havdalah in Modim. You don't put Havdalah in Chonin Hadat. So the Poskim, the Reef, the Rush, everybody, they all paskin that we hold, especially like the Gemara later with Rav and Shmuel, we hold, we put it in Chonin Hadat. That is the, the Halacha. Says the Gemara, why do we put Havdalah Bechonendat? Amar Havdalah Bechonendat, my taima. What is the reason? I'm just skipping a few lines. Amar Rabbi Yosef, because it is an object of wisdom, Kavua Bibirchat Chokhmah. Because understanding the distinction of Kodesh and Chol and Tahor um, Letameh. And the difference between Shabbat and the other days of the week is a chokhmah. The way Rashi explains it, I believe, is it here or in another place? Um, Rashi says, somebody who knows the difference between kadosh and chol and tamei to tahar, that person is a very wise person. And if you stop and think about that, that's a very true statement. The ability for a person to know the difference between the exalted and the sacred takes a lot of life experience and it takes a lot of Da'at Torah. There are very, very many experiences in the world and very, very many uh, practices and uh, feelings and uh, religions and all sorts of things that can have very exalted feelings that can have very, uh, you know, uh, great or awesome effects or awesome appearances. And you can have actions or uh, institutions that can seem to be very attractive, that they might seem that they're doing very holy work or that they're doing very kosher work, but the ability to really see through all of that and to see what is actually kadosh, what is actually holy and what is actually chol, and to see, let's say halachically, what is tameh and what is tahar, the ability to make distinctions between the two things, that is a chachma gedola, that is a great uh, uh, level of wisdom, and therefore they would call that actually bina in, in the Kabbalistic world as far as I remember. Um, and therefore, we put the idea of Havdalah into the bracha of Chonendat. That is the first pshat. The second pshat is the Rabbanan Amri. The Rabbanan say, mitoch shehi chol, because it discusses the weekday. Lefichach kavu bebirkat chol. Therefore, we put it in the first of the brachot, which are of the weekday. And then the Gemara goes on a tangent about how great Da'at is, about Kikel De'ot Hashem, how we put Da'at in between the names of Hashem, etc. Okay, now we're going to skip a little bit to the area of the Da'af that, Alamin Gimul Amud Aleph, in Brachot, that is most pertinent to us. The Gemara asks a very simple question. 
We have a machloket, we have a disagreement between the Tanaim about what bracha to say Havzalah in. And so the Gemara asks, wait a second, uh, why don't we just see what people do in shul? Why, why is there a disagreement for the, about this? And the, and the Rishonim explain, like, usually when there's a, there's a disagreement in the Mishnah, the Gemara doesn't ask, um, uh, you know, why don't we just go see what people do or, like, what happened? Everyone knows what happened. The halakha got forgotten. Why does the Gemara ask over here what happened? The reason is because Havdalah is something we do every week. So why is it so difficult to know exactly... Um, why is it so difficult to know what the halacha is by Havdalah? Just go to the shul, find out what they do, and that would be, uh, you know, if they do it by the fourth bracha, that's, that's what the institution was. If they do it by, by modim, that's what the institution was. How is it possible that a disagreement and different minhagim ever came to be when it comes to Havdalah? Whatever the institution was, the institution was. We do it every day. Just, we do it once a week, just like Shimon Esrei. So on that, the Gemara asks, Amar Shaman Michti, we have a a misora uh, from Rabbi Yochanan that the Anshei Knesset Hagidolah were instituted brachot, tefilot, kiddushot, which most likely means kiddush, vehavdalot, nechzi Why don't we just see what how they instituted it? Open a sitter or ask the local shiach tzibur. Why do we have a disagreement about where one should say havdalah? Amalei b'tchilah. Kavua bitfilah. Sorry, bitchila kavua bitfilah. So Rabbi Yochanan answered him, this is what happened. Originally, when the Anche Knesset Hagdola, right, the, the, the last members of the of the prophets, as well as uh, some other members, when they instituted it, they first instituted that one should say Havdalah within Shmona Esrei. Ha'eshiru, they got more wealthy, and they could afford wine by every week. Kavu alakos. They therefore instituted that we should also say it on a cup of wine. Ha'enu, again they became impoverished from another persecution, whatever the historical reason is. Chazru they reinstituted it at least to say it in the tefillah. Ve'hem amru, and these people said, whoever they were, could be later tanaim, ha'mavdil b'tefillah, tzarich she'avdil alakos. And then they finally instituted, when everybody had enough money, that... Um, that even though you're Mavdil and Tefillah, even though we say Havdalah in Shimon Esrei, still we later have to do it on a cup of wine. So this is the history that the Gemara and Brachot gives us. And it's easy to assume from this Gemara that, uh, that the entire institution came from the time of the Anche Knesset Hagidolah. So the earliest uh, post, the uh, you know, post-prophetic time where we have the mention of Havdalah, the earliest mention we have of Havdalah, which comes after uh, this claim of the Anshikinesset Hagadolah, would be the Mishnah itself. The Mishnah itself from the second century would be the next time where we see the, the, uh, the practice of Havdalah being practiced. And already in the time of the Mishnah, it was well-known and well-practiced. So if in the time of the Mishnah, this was a well-known halacha, we can imagine that Havdalah is very, very ancient. You're already tra tracing it at least to a well-known halacha from the second century. It probably goes hundreds of years before that at the very least, which would support that it was at the very le least instituted by the Ache Knesset Hagedolah, not just the Tanaim themselves. So that's so much for the initial history that we could look at for the moment. However, um, 
a secular researcher from the Wissenschaft, uh, that would be Ismar Elbogen, as well as a few others, um, did some excellent work on tra tracing some of the earlier origins of Havdalah. And one of the things they pointed out is really interesting, that they see it as, they see Havdalah as perhaps having a more elaborate history. Because, and they, they source this from a Mishnah in Brachot. The uh, Mishnah is in Perek Chet Mishnah Hey, if I'm remembering correctly. And I want to open it so that I don't misquote it. The Mishnah in Brachot there gives a description of what one should do if one is in middle of the meal, if one is in middle of the meal and Shabbat ends. So Beit Shammai Omrim. Right, you're in the middle of eating Sudat Shlishit or some other meal, and Shabbat is ending. Bet Shamai Omrim, right? The house of Shamai, the earlier Tanaim, they say, Ner, first you bring out, if you want to finish the Sudat, first you bring out Bore Mehrehe, you say the Bracha Bore Mehrehe Esh, Umazon, then you say Birkat Hamazon, Ubisamim, and then you say Bisamim, Vehavdala, and then you finally say Hamavdi Bekodesh Shechol. They give a different order. First, and then you do and then you do Havdalah. Um, and then they have a different machloket uh, here about Bori and Me'or Ha'esh. Very nice. But if you look at the Mefarshim on this Mishnah, they, they assume that, okay, what if it ends up happening that you go too late and it became dark and you didn't finish the meal and you only have one cup of wine? then this is what this Mishnah is talking about. This Mishnah is only talking about if you ate Shabbat by Mincha, by, by the late afternoon, and your meal went very long, and it got dark, and you didn't realize, and you only have one cup of wine, what do you do? So, oh, that's what the Mishnah is talking about. The view of the secular researchers is that, no, this is not an unusual case. This was what they did in the time of the Tanaim. They just read the Mishnah plainly. This is what they did. The earliest practice of Havdalah in the time of the Tanaim was that it began at the meal, that Havdalah was done at the meal. And we saw a similar idea of this of Kiddush Shabbat, of, of Kabbalah Shabbat, back by when we studied Kiddush, that the Kiddush would be done, that they would welcome the Shabbat using a meal, that before this whole idea of Kabbalah Shabbat and then Mincha, Kabbalah Shabbat, and Arvid existed, that they would, they would, the Tanaim would, would start a Seudah to welcome the Shabbat. In the middle of the Seudah, they would be Mikabel Shabbat and they would have an Arvid afterwards. So in a similar vein, they also would uh, start a meal to escort the Shabbat out, and the Havdalah was put into the meal. If you understand it this way, and again, they might be secular, but it's not really heresy to understand it this way. I mean, it's not, it's not, it's, this isn't uh, offensive to any, any, anyone who is not secular. If you understand it this way, that this is not something that they did bidiyavad, like, you know, this is something that they did a priori, then that would mean that in the time of the later Tanaim, that was when they started putting it into the tefillah, right? Betchilu kavu betfilah. Later they moved it into the Shmona Esrei. And then they got wealthy, so they put it ala kos, just like they used to do it in the meal. And then they got impoverished again back and forth. So what's interesting also about if we add to this line of reasoning is that because it comes from the meal in this line of reasoning, they believe that this is also where the minhag of Bissamim came from. And we're going to discuss Bissamim, God willing, next week when we discuss the Havdalah at home or the Havdalah in the Beit HaKnesset. But 
if you look earlier in the Mishnayot in Brachot, uh, in Perek uh, Vav, there is a, uh, also Mishnah Vav, there was a minhag in their time, in their culture, that at the end of a meal, they would bring out burning coals for incense, mugmar, and they would say, at the end of every single meal, a regular meal, this is what people would do. So it could be that because it was getting dark, they brought out lights, and they, the, because it was the end of the meal, they brought out incense, and therefore, the Havdalah ceremony developed at the meal like that, and then later was transferred to uh, the liturgy and eventually back to the house, but without the meal. Once the meals fell out of use, because culturally, um, you know, Jews moved to different places, and this type of Sudat Shishit meal fell out of use, that was when the Havdalah, as we know it, was born. So that is an interesting theory. It is um, very difficult to prove things that might have happened in the first century BC or the second century AD. So it's very, very difficult to, um, to prove things either way. However, from the Mishnayot, there is some interesting evidence, as I've just pointed out, that this might have been the evolution, the early evolution of Havdalah. So insofar, whether it was, or not it was a Doraita, whether or not it was a Dirabanan, it is very possible that the earliest form of Havdalah started at these meals while later it was moved to the tefillah. Okay, and what would it mean, oh, in the Gemara, when it says, Vehem Amru, and they said, oh, you also have to do it in, for, in the tefillah and in the, um, and at home over, over the coast, that would be the later Tanaim, not the earlier ones in the time of Beit Shammai. This is the later Tanaim in the time of Rabbi Huda Nasi, right? The later Tanaim who, who were Choser Kavu Alakos. Okay, so if you're following, that would, that would be some of the earlier um, history for this. There's another interesting nuance here, and I wish uh, that I had both the time and resources to, to go into this far deep, more deeply, um, but it's really not our topic for today. The, the Mishnah mentions that there's a machloket tanaim as to when to say the havdalah, right? So the earliest takana that we do, uh, the, the first havdalah, which is, atachon, which is in the, the fourth bracha, right? This, this, this atachonantanu that we say today is the the main the the first havdalah. Let's not call it the main, but uh, the first havdalah. This was a, a dispute among the tanaim when to say it. So the Bavli seems to hold like uh, the Tanakama, which is that we do it bebracharevi'it, that we put it inside a, inside a tachonen. However, we know from both the Gemara and the Ushami, and more recently from the Cairo Geniza, that this was only the a universal opinion of the people of Babel. However, in the Nusach HaYerushalmi, they didn't always do this. In the Nusach HaYerushalmi, we find that specifically on the Havdalah of Yom Tov, meaning if you were had a Motzei Shabbat, Shechaliot be Yom Tov, right? A Motzei Shabbat which is going into Yom Tov. There's a special Havdalah called Vetodienu. Right? And I wish we had, this is not really our topic for tonight because it's more of a, an exploration of an alternative atochanantanu. Um, it's called Marganita de Ravishmuel. I'm not sure I'll find it in a minute. I think it's in the, on Lamigimol a bit in Brachot. Um, basically, what happens if you have a Motzei Shabbat which, which comes out on, um, if you have a Motzei Shabbat that comes out on Yom Tov, 
The Gemara says, Rav and Shmuel instituted a pearl in Bavel. So we're all familiar with this from when this happens, right? We have this in our um, in our Shemona Esrei when we when we experience that kind of a holiday where it's Motzei Shabbat Shachaliot Biyom Tov. However, we find that in in the Minhag of Eretz Yisrael was that they paskin like Rabbi Yezer on Motzei Shabbat Shachaliot Biyom Tov, meaning that on a Motzei Shabbat which was Yom Tov they didn't say Havdalah in the Bracha Raviit. They didn't say it in Atachonatanu. Instead, they would say it in Modim, which is a very interesting thing. Both the Gemara and Yushami says that's how the, that's the halacha. There's also a, a, a mandamer there that says that that's the halacha for the whole year. But um, it seems that what was dominant, at least what we can prove from the Cairo Geniza, is that this was their, the halacha in the very least in the, in the Israeli minhag uh, of Motzei Shabbat Shechaliot Biyom Tov. The Rashba quotes Reb Haigaon, that says that in his time, which is much later than uh, the, the, the Talmud Yushami, and much later than Talmud Bavli, this is already in the 11th uh, century, Rabbi Haigaon says that in his time he knew that the minhag in Eretz Yisrael was that some people would have it as a separate fourth bracha, just like Rabbi Akiva in the Mishnah. And it could be that this was some, some sort of compromise as to, you know, there was different disputes inside Eretz Yisrael as to what the halacha should be, so there was some sort of compromise. But we'll never know for sure. More likely, the earlier minhag was the more universal one because in the Cairo Geniza, they found multiple different uh, manuscripts with not just a nusach for a different, just not just a nusach for Vatodienu or for whatever, this other Havdalah by Modim, but also many, many extensive piyutim. There were many poems written by Kalir and by Yabishua HaKohen, like different early Paitanim who wrote special piyutim for this special occasion where we have a special havdalah of Motzei Shabbat Shechaliot B'Yom Tov. And there's actually, it's a specific type of piyut called a shiv'ata. There were, a shiv'ata is a special piyut where it is a sevenfold, right? Shiv'ata in, uh, in Aramaic means sevenfold, where you have seven uh, different uh, sections which are all corresponding to like the, you know, the to adorn the Amidah. It is a sevenfold piyut. And so that's what they found in the Karaganiza. There was research done on this by, by a researcher named Weeder, uh, Nathan Weeder, as well as um, uh, Ezra Fleischer and Eretz Yisrael. And they have very long studies of, the, uh, uh, not very long, but ex- very good studies of uh, these uh, tefilot, which I wish we could go into more extensively because Vatodienu is a very interesting topic, but I, I don't think we'll have time tonight to go into specifically into Vatodienu. Okay, so now let's just uh, close up talking about the Nusach itself. So, it should surprise no one that the way we do the Atochon Antanu today uh, was just not the way they did it in the time of the Rishonim. And it basically took a thousand years for it to, to evolve into the form it takes today, but the earlier forms of it were significantly different, let's say. So in the Seder of Amram Gaon, uh, the, one of the earlier Sidurim, in the Rambam, in the Yorchot Chaim, and in the Abu Derham, 
and in many other sidurim, you will find that it, they would say atachone ladandat, and then in the middle they would say they would add in atahivdalta or some very similar version to atahivdalta. And I'll just read to you the way the Amram Gaon says it, if I have it in front of me. At, this is one of the earlier sidurim. So too you should purify us and clean us from all sins. So no atachonantanu. It begins atahivdalta. That was the earlier way that many of the Sidurim opened. However, there were other Sidurim which had a different minhag. This is in many uh, early Sidurim, especially Machsor Vitri has it this way, where instead of starting Atachonantanu, I'm sorry, instead of starting with Atachonin Ladam Da'at, it began immediately with Atachonantanu. So Atachonantanu was how the, was basically, it replaced the opening of Atachonin Ladam Da'at with Atachonantanu. So, Atachonin Ladam Da'at would begin Atachonantanu Hashem Alokeinu, and it would end Baruchat HaShem Chonein Hada'at. And I wish I could share my screen here from the Bodleian uh, library. But for example, I'll just read the Catalonian version uh, from Catalan in what's modern day Spain. You have Atta, the, the whole bracha begins Atachonantanu Mada Betoratecha um, Vitlamedenu Malkeinu Lasot Behem Chukeru Sonecha. And then, it just interestingly, in the Catalonian version, they, they're more like Ashkenaz. Devoid of any sin, that is the way the, uh, the Catalonian version, version does it. So the Orhot Chaim. One of the Rishonim of Aaron Milunil contests this practice where the Sidurim, many Sidurim in their time, especially the Sidurim going around Spain, they loved this idea of replacing Atachonin Ladam Da'at with Atachonantanu and just having a new opening. He says, no, that's Mishanemi Matbea Shetavu Chachamim. The, the Shimon Esrei has a very specific, uh, uh, what's the word? very specific girsa, very specific version of the text. You can't change that by changing the opening. And therefore, he believes that that is an, uh, an illegitimate practice. And he forbids it. However, the Beit Yosef, the, the author of the Shulchan Aruch, in uh, Reish Tzadi Dalid, uh, mentions it, and he says that this is not the pervasive practice. Everybody does it this way. I'm very sorry. I know the Yochot Chaim uh, contests it. However, Everybody does it this way, and we wouldn't really call this Mishanami Matbea because Hakolinyan Echadhu, meaning Matbea means the form. It means what topics have to be discussed within the Bracha. That is what Matbea means. It doesn't mean exactly what text to say. And that was, that's really the basic uh, halachic understanding, and therefore he disagrees with Yochot Chaim, and he endorses the way that they used to do it among most of the Sfaradim in his day. In the Rokeach, there is the first time we see that this, there's a very unique girsah, the only time in the Rishonim that we see this very unique girsah that people do today, which is that you say, and then you say, again, right? So we, nobody does, in the time of the Rishonim, almost nobody did this. 
I don't even believe that in Germany many people did this. I don't know why the Rokeach has it differently. But almost everybody would either begin Atachanantanu for, for the fourth bracha, or in the middle they'd put Atahivdalta. Those were the two minhagim. And if you look today, the, the Nusach Temani still does that, and um, uh, the, the Nusach Machsor B'nei Roma still does that, the Atahivdalta, right? The older versions of Tefillah, they still, they still do it that way. They still do it properly. They put in the Atahivdalta, just like the Rambam, just like uh, Seder of Amram. They do it nice and proper. But today, we kind of messed it up. We put Atachonel on that, and then we do Atachonantanu. I would call it messed up. However, it does exist in the Sidur of the Rokeach. And therefore, he is the one unique Rishon who does have it that way. So it, is, it does have an early source. My first impression was that perhaps this was just an error. Uh, in, 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 uh, like this was a developmental error over the time of evolution of Atachonantanu. But because I found it in the Sidur of the Rokeach, which is already in the 12th century, it's very hard to call this uh, just uh, an error of the evolution, unless that error of evolution happened so long ago. As far as Rav Sadia Gaon, who grew up and uh, learned in, well, at least for a, lot, for a time in Cairo, his version is interesting, but he doesn't really say whether you have a, a, a unique opening or you put it in middle. So he does have what might be a unique opening. And I, I think it's beautiful because it quotes a pasuk. Um, right? I think that's the... I'm pretty sure that is what the language of the Pasuk is. Let's see if I can pull it up. Sidur of Sadiagon, right. So he begins, Hashem from you, Hashem our God. Wait, I'm sorry. I have to mute something. So, so it begins, So if Sadiagon's version begins with a um, from you, Hashem, comes the ability for us to speak. A shorter version, but he doesn't make it clear whether or not it is a new opening or it is an interpolation into the text itself. So it's, uh, it, w- it would be difficult to ever know for sure unless we find more versions where he has extra instructions. Um, let's look at other gears. So, oh, Abraham says, Ata amarta lahavdil, instead of uh, Ata hivdalta, he has Ata amarta lehavdil, which is very similar in meaning. And further in Abraham, he says something kind of interesting. So, do you remember how the Gemara said in Brachot, Metoch shehu chol, taknu be, what is the language here? Let me find it. Bibirchot chol. Because it is uh, a bracha of the weekday, which speaks about the weekday, therefore we put it in the first brachot of the weekday. So the Budurham takes this a step further. And he says that the Gemara in the Yushalmi, and this is not the, the position of the Bavli, but the Gemara in the Yushalmi holds that on Shabbat it is forbidden to ask for one's needs. It is forbidden to be toveat tzrachav, to ask for, for petition. Therefore, he understands that we are specifically supposed to interpolate it. Why? Because the beginning of Atachonin Ladam Da'at is a praise. You are the one who uh, graciously gives person uh, knowledge. And you teach to mankind uh, understanding. But you didn't ask yet for a petition. You didn't say, We should therefore receive from you Chochmah Bina Badat. Before a person, like the Gemara Nushami says, that a person is not allowed to ask petition until Habdallah, so before we 
say petition, we put the Havdalah before Bechanenu Mitechachuch The Mishnah Bur also brings this down, so it's very famous, but that's why we put it in between those two sentences of Atachonin Ladam Da'at. Because of this Yerushalmi, that before we ask for anything, we have to do Havdalah. So first we do the first half of Atachonin, which is a Shvach, then we do Havdalah, and then we finally close it with the petition. That is his understanding. There's another view uh, suggested by the Achronim, uh, specifically the Lavush says this and the Dibre Hamudot say this, which uh, the Tosfot Yom Tov. He says that perhaps we repeat, uh, perhaps the way it was structured, at least the way they see it, because they're, they're later Achronim and, and they saw the Atachonen and then they saw Atachonatanu, they see it as perhaps what it's trying to do is say that there's a distinction between the grace Hashem gives to the Jewish people and the grace that Hashem gives to mankind as a whole. That first part of the bracha is universal. It's talking about the knowledge and wisdom and grace that Hashem, the grace that Hashem has to give knowledge and wisdom to all of mankind. However, the next part, Atachonantanu, is more particularistic and is talking about the special grace that Hashem has for, for Klal Yisrael, where it is nuanced and specific where we get Shabbat and we are able to see the difference between Kodesh Lechol and Or Lechoshech, etc. Okay, so now how did it develop into the modern Nusach? That's a very good question. Let's, uh, let me pull up both versions on my computer because I didn't bring Sidurim to my seat. Let's see. The Sidur Ashkenaz in Arvit has it as follows today. Sorry if I don't know it by heart. You have graciously uh, given us the knowledge of your Torah. And you teach us, and you teach us to do the um, the chukim, the unknowable laws of your will. Meaning, there's a distinction there. That those that those have to be taught because you can't actually uh, know them through knowledge. But tavdel Hashem alokenu, and you have separated ben kodesh cholavein or the choshech of ben Yisrael amim ben yom hashvi l'sheishim me'maseh. Right? Avinu malkenu, our father, our king. Hachel aleinu hamim habim lekratenu l'shalom. Right? Please begin our commence for us the days that approach us l'shalom uh, for peace. Chasuchim ekolchet that are devoid of all sin, and they're clean of all sin, and that we should be devoted to the fear of you. So what we'll see here is that, first of all, the Ashkenaz version for a long time began Atachonantanu. However, they in addition say Atachonin Ladamdat. So what happened here? Why did the Ashkenazim start doing this? Why did they say Atachonin? Why did they switch from doing Atachonin, uh, starting Atachonantanu and beginning Atachonin? This is because of the later post-scheme. Uh, the later post scheme defended it, so the Ramad defends that you're some, some you're allowed to do it. Magen Ram Taz they defend the the position, so it seems that some of the printers saw this defense as more of a of an encouragement, and eventually uh, this became the practice. At least you know both were put in the sidur for the convenience of everybody, and therefore this became the practice once printed sidurim came out. That for both minhagim they were both put in the sidur, and eventually people started saying both. And first of all, this, this, the Ashkenaz one says, the beginning says, But in the Sfaradi version, it is not the same. In the Sfaradi version, the beginning and the end are a little bit different. So while I should mention in the end of, how do I phrase this? In the end of Atuchanantanu, 
among the Ashkenazim, the petition there is to protect us from sin, right? That the, that the, the coming days should be peaceful and, and clean from sin, and we should be uh, devoted to fearing Hashem. In the Sfaradi version, it ends differently, and its petition is more that just as Hashem separated us from the, the, the nations of the world, so too should He save us from our oppress from the Yetzahara, but also Mipegara from, from, uh, from types of uh, uh, calamities, and all xerot kashot veraot, all evil decrees and things like that, and all future distresses and oppressors. So while the Ashkenaz focuses more on the spiritual, the, the Sfaradi focuses more on the, uh, on the physical. Not entirely, but just more of a focus. And both of those langu- languages, Hamitzirageshot, Lavo Ba'olam, and the language of the Ashkenaz one, both of them are very early. They go back to the time of the Geonim. So, so they're both uh, absolutely kosher versions of the, of the, um, of the Havdalah in Shmona Esrei. Now the, the Sfaradi one says Madave Haskel, while the while the, just plain Madave Haskel, while the Ashkenaz one says Atachonatanu Torah So who's right? Well, nobody's right. The truth is that this in in Spain in the in medieval times the Sfaradi version was almost always to say Atachonatanu Madave Haskel Torah You uh, have graciously given us Madave Haskel for your Torah. And this, I'm just reading from, here's a Siddur from the, from the 14th, early 14th century. The Siddur from Catalan also said it this way, And here's a Siddur from Aragon, which also says, Eventually, these three different versions, from the Castilian version, the Aragonian version, the Catalonian version, all three of these versions were eventually homogenized. And when the printed Sidur became a thing, that was when they started to get merged together. I'm still curious as to why they deleted the word Torah Techa. I'm not sure which version decided to delete that. But if you look in the uh, version of the Arizal, right? So the Arizal Sidur, the one that he prayed from, Sidur Reish Pedal, it does say it that's, that way. It says, Haskel. Actually, it says Veheskel, but whatever. Exactly the way the Sfaradim do it today. So my suspicion is that whether this was a typo of the Sidur of Reish Pedalid of, of the year 284, or it was uh, intentional because that was one of the Minhagot of Castilla, this is precisely what happened. And the Sfaradi version, even though in Spain everyone used to say Madaba Haskel Torah that eventually fell to the, to, into uh, disuse. Last uh, little point is that as far as what's in the text, you'll notice that there are three Havdalot, right? We say Ben Orlech, Ben Kodesh Chol, Orlech Hoshech, Ben Yisrael Amim, Uben Yom Ashvi Lashishid Meyamasem. Sorry, there's four in the Ashkenaz. What does the Sfaradi one have? Ben Kodesh Chol, Ben Orlech Hoshech, Ben Yisrael Amim, Uben Yom Ashvi Lashishid Meyamasem. Sorry, there's at least there's three, and then a fourth one which which mentions specifically. Um, the Budurham points out specifically that these three are, are this is based on Gmaram Sachim that we have to see next week about how many different things to um, mention in Havdalah but he believes that those three Havdalot those are the three ones that have the most to do with Shabbat because Or was somehow Ganuz on Motzei Shabbat the Or HaGanuz was, was, was hidden on 
on Shabbat, Kodesh Lechol, I believe, um, is in his view a reference to, I don't remember if he says the Shabbat specifically or, or Matan Torah, and then Ben Yisrael Amim. He gives three, three uh, different sources to show that each one of these has to do with Shabbat, so specifically chose these three before it said, Ben Yom so next week I hope to study more about these actual themes because the themes of Havdalah and which ones belong in here are a discussion specifically in the Gemara Sachim at the end and Daf Kuf Hey, I believe, or Daf Kuf Gimel. And so Bezrat Hashem next week we'll have to look at that. But thank you everybody for attending. Thanks for your, uh, it's Kuf Gimel. But thanks for your uh, endurance and attention and we'll pick up next week Bezrat Hashem.